welcome to Dateline yeah. New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make New Haven tick. Nothing ticks better than Pundit Friday, which we're about to begin here in the WNHH studio with the number one pundits in the media universe. Pundits like the dairy-free goddess of our grassroots radio operation, WNHH's Love Babs host and inner city managing editor Babs Rawls Ivy. Hey, I've been talking for hours. And you're you still going. <laughs> No need to stop now. <laughs> like the flyest news hunter-gatherer this side of Fleet Street, star New Haven independent reporter Markeisha Ricks. Happy Friday, Markeisha people. Ricks. The queen of quippery and the contestants of Compassion, Lavosa Hispanic, Hispanic publisher Norma Rodriguez-Reyes. Hello. You know, I'm not hearing you guys that well. I'm not hearing myself. Oh, Norma no. wasn't in the mic. Okay. Oh, you, and, you have your um, own mic now, Norma. Fancy. So how is Harry? I'm not hearing her mic at all. Moving on up. Is our mic on? Is this thing on? WNHH studio manager and heavy D Donald Trump devotee Harry Trost, the bravest man. Harry's like, don't talk to me today. Harry's like, I'm not talking to you people today. Not fooling y'all. Y'all fool too much. And the raker and breaker of fakers, the straight shooter from Bermuda, the mystical metaphorical man on the money. The prince of pleasantries and punctuality, the sorcerer of scientific solution, the blessed beatboxer of banksters and bacchanalians, the missionary of modesty, bodhisattva of battle rapper, deacon of the dozens, king of conspiracy concoction, recognized ringleader of risque repartee, yeah. the daring don of dope deliberation, <laughs> the sanctified slower, slayer of the slow-witted, maximum okay, gasologist Joe Ugly. Joe Ugly. Of the Joe Ugly whoa, whoa, whoa. show that was in too the quick. morning. That's less than two minutes. We don't you weren't do supposed to notice. Welcome, yeah. everybody. Good morning. Oh, but, good morning. But a, a, can a, I just say something, Paul, say before something. I get started? Uh, you said uh, something from Bermuda. What was that one? Let me look it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, I don't know. What did I have from Bermuda? <laughs> no to the top, something from Bermuda. <laughs> oh, the straight shooter from Bermuda. Okay, it's the straight shooter that went through Bermuda. Oh. Mm. I just went through. I'm not from Bermuda. I don't want people to think yeah, that I'm yeah, from. You're like, don't, don't, get, don't mess oh, it up. Oh, no, no, Lord. Because you know how the West technical. thing is. Huh? Yes, it's hey, very hey, technical. Hey, Markeisha, um, what, what, bus did you, oh. what bus did you take in today? Oh, I took you? the Q bus. No, which, No, no, I took the 243 bus. They don't have buses There's no by, Q bus. by letters anymore. They're all I numbers. keep forgetting. Sorry. Well, I took me, the 243 I, bus. Did you have an app to tell you how soon it was coming? I did have an app, but I wanted to check something out. So Here, take these. City buses, as you yeah, all, those of you who have taken city buses well know, that, that buses kind of come at really odd intervals, right? So the Q, my bad, the 243 bus <laughs> yeah. that I come on to come to downtown mm -hmm. um, in the morning comes every 20 minutes or so. But a weird thing happens at 10 o'clock. Uh-oh. A bus comes at 10. <laughs> another bus is supposed to come at 1013. It came at 1015 today. Mm. And then another one comes at like 1043. <laughs> but then, you know, then and, and it's like, and during mid morning, I see a lot of them empty, and then they stop at rush hour, and they don't yes. even have one. So if you don't catch a 143 bus, it's all broken. You can't get another bus until 228. So anyway, Marquisha rides the buses a lot, and she was also at the unveiling this week of a pretty big deal. The first phase of a state-funded study we've been waiting years for. Mm. Uh, it actually started last year. And how, but the collection what, of but it. But the year before that, they're trying to get the money. They said they're going to oh, do okay. it. It's not that they did it slow. It took forever for the state to Think, get it going. Oh, got it. But anyway, the bus system's been broken for years. Daniel Malloy is now finishing the second term in which he's promised to improve bus service, and it just keeps getting worse. The uh, They finally unveiled this week at the library what they found so far about what's going on with bus service in New Haven. And what did you find out, Marquisha? Oh, this, my, my wonk meter was just like, pew, through the roof. It was great. Um, so there are just all the, all the little things that you think about the bus system or that you've heard about the bus system are, are pretty much true. <laughs> it's, you know, the routes are inconsistent. Um, the times that you're waiting for them are really long. And, and except unless you're on the D, the former D route, which I think is the uh, 213. Two, no, 243 two, is the Q. Oh, okay. Well, the former D routes and, and the former B routes, right. those are the workhorse routes of the entire system. Can I just say this, uh, Makisha? You deserve a trophy because I don't know how to take a bus in New Haven anymore. And it's not well, that's part of what Makisha found out. Wasn't there one bus system that not, not only do you have to learn the number now or in the letter, 
but it has something like 17 different routes within that one bus route. Yeah, so, so like Joe, I think it's that? the J bus that has 15 different variations. Of it. So is it designed to like not have people ride exactly. the bus? <laughs> That's exactly what it By is. that I mean if you say I'm going to take the J bus home, you have to know which, of which the J bus to take home. It's not even called a J anymore. It's got a number. Mm-hmm. Once you find the number, you got to figure out which sub number it is at which time to make sure you're not dropped miles away from you thought you were going. Exactly. You, need a, you need a PhD in transportation just to go home. It, it's unbelievable. Now, here's the thing that I notice on these buses. Uh, and, and I, when I see things, you know, it, it stands out. This jumped out of me. On the bus, of course, there's a number that they have stencil on the bus, so they will know what bus it is, you know, the, the serial number, mm-hmm. if you may. Then they have the bus, the new set of numbers, which is supposed to tell you where the bus is going, the route. But then right by the door, there's a little digital box with a, with a set of numbers on it. I don't know what it's there for. Now, I'm not a bus. You know, I don't take the bus. I do, and may- I have no idea what you're talking about. I get so confused. I'm just saying, <laughs> is what this going somewhere? Joe pointed it out home. to me yesterday. I was like, I, I've noticed that number, but I just assumed it did it's not something I need to know anything about. So what about. else did they find out? They also found out that, um, Marquisha, what do they think about the hub and spoke and where people are taking the bus and what hours the buses run? The study definitely suggests that... that that there as there's a reevaluation of the system based on the information that they've they've been able to tap into mm-hmm. that there has to be some some crosstown or there has to either be some crosstown buses or and or some crosstown buses and maybe moving to a grid system that has other connection points 20 I, more than 20 I think 27% of the ridership is right here in New Haven like it's 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 right and here. And is that the whole state or, the re- or just the That's New just region? the New Haven region so where people transfer, come to the green and go elsewhere. All of that. But but That's 27% of it is just people in New Haven. I thought it would be more than that. All of the ridership, the majority of the ridership comes to New Haven. Oh. They, they board in New Haven in some way. Okay. But like... Just like New Haven proper. No, I take that's 27%. That's just the, I think the D and the B routes. Okay. That, that's what it yeah, is. I'm makes, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So like, think about that. That's just two routes two in the, routes, whole, right, in the system whole system. Right. And what that about takes care week- of 27% of the what ridership. About those weekend hours and night hours. I, I talked to people in my reporting on this who might live in West Haven or Hamden or New Haven, or the job might be in West Haven or North Haven where all the stores are, mm-hmm. where often service jobs are. So people don't have cars. They can't actually work. On those because, hours, because there's so many hours to get the bus and the buses don't run. Did the mobility study deal with that at all? So they actually didn't spend a lot of time on weekend service. Um, <laughs> how about night service? Night service. So what they that looked so what they looked at were headways. So how frequently the bus comes and what's kind of the maximum headways. They Who did some delving. If it's going on a route that nobody's on, like I mean, that's true. So 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 with headways, like. It's it's what I was saying about my ride in this morning where it's it's very inconsistent. So you might get a D bus every five minutes, but other buses, it might take 20 minutes and the later it gets, oh, the um, later it gets its hours, it's hours <laughs> like and the maximum headways. Um, and if you read my story, you'll see um, some talk, some discussion about um, the Brantford, the, the, uh, the bus North that goes Brantford. out to Brant to North Brantford mm-hmm. headways for that bus, which actually has no weekend service are 120 minutes. Oh, it's a long man. time. I remember my sister used to East Haven and she didn't have a car. She wasn't able to come into New Haven on the weekends really for the most part. Unless you had a, unless it was going to be hours each way on the bus. That's like going out of state. Like, It took the state years to give us an app to let us know if the bus is coming uh, on time or if it's late. And it, years later in the city they give us, they gave it to Hartford first. And now it's not working. We reported how the guy who asked for it, the city's transit chief, tried to catch a bus. And he discovered that if the bus is at all late, they take it off the app. The whole reason you want the app is to find, <laughs> out, your find bus out the is bus is late. Right. So if the bus is a minute late, they'll just tell you about the next bus. So he didn't know if that bus, <laughs> and then it turned out the last bus is coming. And then I just tried it for the heck of it the night before. I was going to take a bus maybe um, on what used to be the queue, and I can't remember the numbers yet. And I found the number. You wouldn't. And it told me at 8 p.m. that my next bus was coming at like 10 a.m. Oh, next my day. God. Yeah. All the buses the that come in between there were missing. See, why can't we? I don't see. This the problem I have with all of this. Is why do we not um, put transportation as part of economic development and grow it? Bus riders, bus they, they've made, they decided bus riders riding is for poor people and they don't vote enough, so screw them. And that that's is a Democratic so wrong. administration. And, and, and who thinks like that? I mean, first and foremost, you know, I always say, you know, you're living in the city. Who don't want to 
want to ride public transportation. I would love to ride public transportation, you know, to get around, but it's just so unreliable. It is it unreliable. Is, and it, Can you imagine no. having to get to work or anything yeah, at night exactly. if you work past four You know whose bus five? system isn't unreliable? Yale's. Well, <laughs> they, have very, they have very good um, headways. Like their, their routes actually, as you all well know, overlap a lot of the ct transit routes mm -hmm. but they're they're on time they have a span of service that is a lot longer GPS than ct transit their their gps at night works. Weekend. so the question <laughs> is why works. can't we be like other cities that have universities where they either have everyone go on the city system and give them the u pass the way yukon gateway southern you pay a little activity fee everybody and everybody gets a pass unlimited bus rides why can't they do that or why can't they just merge and let everybody in the city run their buses. Why does it have to be segregated for the elite at a service that is the most ultimate? Is the ultimate? Because there's no leadership, or there's no political will or leadership. There's none. They don't care. You know, I I just don't, I can't understand the service. Why is it so? Let me ask: Are those uh, supervisors unionized or something? Oh yeah, uh, they definitely unionized. The, you know, the supervisor. You know that Bridgeport. Yeah. The, the supervisor. Could it be that they're trying to? Uh oh, I'm putting it out here. Trying to union bust these things because they can't keep up with the. Hey, what about what about <laughs> the fact that Bridgeport <laughs> runs its own bus system? How are they able to do, do that? they? Yeah, I and, did and not know that. Everyone says it's a better bus system. The drivers who are protesting. And they the also have a beautiful under... like transportation hub where their buses How and the trains meet. Because like bus ride <laughs> service is subsidized by the state, we could never afford, could we? I mean, they they own the buses, they they subsidize rides. How does Bridgeport afford to do it? I, I, I don't know that because I've asked that question, too, because when the the um, there were bus drivers who were they weren't striking, they were um, having a protest about uh, some of their conditions and some of the safety issues. Um, but like the person from Bridgeport was able to the manager for Bridgeport was able to say, well, we're able to to do a lot of the things that the bus drivers are demanding because we don't have to kind of abide by what CT Transit does for the rest of the state. But mm. New Haven bus drivers don't have that same kind of That's part leeway. of what with our GPS, too, yeah. because they had to wait for it to be connecting to all these other cities. But how do they afford it? Bridgeport's not a wealthy city. How do they buy the Next buses? time you have Gannamon, ask him. And maybe you want to take a ride down to, to Bridgeport. Sure. I, ha I have a, a little train ticket. I've taken it before. It was very easy. You just get off the train and you can walk over it and the, the buses are all right there waiting. It was wow. really nice. <laughs> I was and like, it's really this nice, is nice that you guys all got the wow. ticket to Pundit Friday and WNHS <laughs> Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM. Live Steve, New Haven, And uh, also Bridgeport isn't the only system that has that. There are, there are other towns that have their own transit authority that handle their bus routes and bus systems. So I, I'm very curious about that. We That's got, a very good question. The other question is whether with self-driving cars, it's all going to be moot. Whether in five years, if they have policy on self-driving cars that includes subsidies for low-income people or kind of a massive public Uber, whether buses are going to be gone. I don't think I, I can't imagine too that many people just too many bodies, I think it's too, too many, many people I think yeah. it's too many people and that's really too many damn cars on the yeah. road even if they are electric and yeah emit things All right. you know what I was noticing I, I was reading this morning the New Haven Independent story by Tom Breen about um, an event at Wilbur Cross last night for all these people who have come moving here we have a whole bunch of new citizens in, in New Haven from fleeing both Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and also an earthquake in Mexico mm. kind of under the radar the Puerto Rican families are citizens because they come from Puerto Rico. So they're changing the face of our city. You know, Norma Rodriguez Reyes, we talked about this earlier about Latino community changing face. I was surprised to hear we're over 50 kids already in 80. the system. 80? 80. Mm. All right, I'm going to ask you please to get real close to the mic, Norma. And, and uh, the other thing that blew me away is separate from the immigrants. I mean, they're not immigrants because they're uh, Puerto Rico, migrants. but right. the they're Mexicans migrants. are migrants. migrants. But the, uh, did, I didn't realize that Wilbur Cross High School, the biggest high school in town, is 58 percent latino oh when i didn't did know that, that. when did that happen yeah and what does that surprised. say about the future of our city but it, we're not even, we're not only talking about norma we can't really hear you on the mic i think it's the close. mic itself yeah yeah she just has to be right in front of it can you hear me now yeah no, no, we can. yeah i hear oh, okay. you it was off i think I don't know. no you just have to be right. you have right. to be right here not, but see it's not only wilbur cross that's the only school. like just hold the mic to your mouth there you go yeah okay. just hold it yeah it's not only Wilbur there you go. that's 58% um, Latino. We have a lot of other schools oh, okay. that are more Latinos. And if you really look at... And the population of the city, I thought, was only about 28% Latino? Yes, yes. So that well, means that we have more that young... Was. Is, there, is that that we that there are more people coming we haven't yet counted in the census, or is it that they're younger so that gradually the Latino population is going to be rising based on what we're seeing at the schools? I think... Basically, what's happening is 
you have a lot of the new immigrants, my immigrants that are coming in, having mm-hmm. a lot of babies. You know, our people love to have babies. We don't have this one child, you know, policy. <laughs> and, and what's happening, what I find very interesting is that here we have the Board of Education, the majority of the students are Latino, and mm-hmm. just in general, mm-hmm. in the Board of Education as a whole in New Haven, and yet a lot, we don't have specific programs geared towards to target. You know, all the schools have their own programs, but I really believe that there should be a school to really help them, you mm-hmm. know, transition mm-hmm. into the, the, the mainstream, the mainstream yeah. into the mainstream. Here's what I want to know. Now, they do have a program for these migrants, at least. That yeah. Danny Diaz at the school system is spearheading a program. That was what's going on at Wilbercross this night. From throughout the system, they brought the new people in, and they're welcoming them to helping the families get adjusted and integrate in the system. They have a whole task force from the whole city with the Board of Ed is, I believe, leading mm-hmm. about, because that's the way we find out about the families partly is when they end show up at the school system, to help them be part of New Haven. Do you feel okay about that effort, Norma? No, I think it's good. Bridgeport just started a whole new social, um, uh, they just inaugurated, uh, I think Thursday, if I'm not, no, Wednesday, they inaugurated uh, a social service agency that's going to deal with everything, mm. that even FEMA is involved in it. I uh, supposedly, if you come from Puerto Rico with the FEMA certificate, mm-hmm. having already registered, then they come here and FEMA helps them with the housing. With and then the next day, they have a policy that the next day that that child comes in here has to be in school. Mm-hmm. That's well, how has, quick they have to. Wow! Work. Here's my, qu- get to, like, here's my sleep question, in one and here's day. something yeah. I really want to highlight. Uh, this is great, and I applaud this uh, this whole effort to educate the kids and to migrate uh, people who are in need. And I'm hearing less and less and less about people in the Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. That's a good uh, point because they I got have, battered. They, they totally got hit twice, St. Thomas. One of the islands one with ex- Irma, isn't going to be with, habitable with anymore. Excuse me? Isn't one of the islands in, uninhabitable now? For St. Thomas. It yeah. is totally gone. So my thing is, where are these people? Are anyone thinking about them, or is it just, now? let's leave them to fend for themselves. Now, look, I, think- I want to see what's going on with Puerto Rico, be a model, something, and, and, and push back to the other islands as well, because at the end of the day, we are all U.S. So the question citizens. is, Joe, what are the numbers? So I don't do, know. We, That's we do, the thing. We there is no a, information on we these. We do have a West Indian community here in New Haven. Yes. You are a member of that community. Yes, Your family I am. came here from the West Indies, Trinidad and Tobago, right? Mm-hmm. So we know the community's here. The reason so many Puerto Rican kids are coming is because we have a, a very established Puerto Rican community, so they have family members to come to live with. So the question is, is there enough of a critical mass of West Indian families who yeah, have relatives correct. in places and, like yeah, yeah, those correct, islands Paul, that are coming? I understand that. No, I'm but what I'm, no I, I have not heard anything of whom, who's coming to live with whom. And you're asking why haven't areas. we heard? But we I, don't exactly. hear the, the community. There's no we, one vocal. That's what. There's and no this is what I'm doing right vocal. now. I don't know. Marquisha goes to the events right from the Jamaican I community. Know, I want to know what's going on. And, you know, so I'm putting it out here now. So I'm quite sure my West Indian brothers and sisters who are listening to this program right now could reach out and try to help inform me of what's going on. I'm quite sure in Hartford it's, uh, it's stronger because it's a stronger uh, West Indian community. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, in well, Marquisha's written about how there is a definite presence um, with Kay's you know, hairstyle and right. how they, she does the community events. And right. any, any word that you've heard from that, Marquisha? Um, there isn't anything that I've heard specifically, but I do know of individuals who've had, you know, and, well, had trouble finding come- family members. But I think Puerto Rico happened so fast behind mm-hmm. those, those same devastation. It was the same hurricane and everything. But the the focus, because Puerto Rico is bigger, it's bigger. It has a bigger presence here. It's just it's kind of driven the narrative, and like Joe has said, it, the the other narratives have kind of fallen off the map. And really, you know, on one level, you can say it's the community's job to keep it alive, but it's everybody's job to keep Thank it alive. You. Like That's it's, my point. it's there's no need to divide uh, right. the the conversation. So, right. and it's it's not Puerto Rico's fault. It's not anybody's fault, no, other not. than you know. We have those people in our community. We should be concerned. I'm concerned about them. I, I know everybody in this room is concerned about them. Right. We just have to make it a priority to focus on them, too. Mm-hmm. And we and have to also be politically correct. For instance, like, where did it happen worse? In Mexico or in Puerto Rico? In Mexico, you had a lot of lives that were, a lot of people died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the devastation wasn't as big in terms of the, the island. The, the country getting hit. The, 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 the geographic, the, the, the geographic mm-hmm. but a lot of people lost their lives. And right. so that's why we have to kind of be 
correct and when we mentioned that we're over here feeling for Puerto Rico, but we also have to feel for the people of Mexico and also the people of the different islands. And like in Hartford and in Bridgeport, that's where we have more islanders. Uh-huh. And I think there's sure. more presence and more things going on. And possibly Hamden. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I'm saying is that I have not heard anything. I don't get, you know, I'm pretty much a uh, my feet are, I like to think it's underground in the West Indian community, but I haven't heard that much in mainstream coming across mm. about what's oh, going no, on. Oh, no, you're absolutely it. right. You haven't heard a daggone thing. Exactly. It's as though it, those places, you know, don't even exist anymore. You know, and know, some of them kind of don't. But we don't know whether families, and that's Joe's point, we don't know if families are relocating here. We do know there. But here's one thing. Well, the story okay. that, that Tom Breen family. noted mm. that it was one um, student who was from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yeah. Oh, that's across. true. That's mm-hmm. a good point. Well, here's another thing, uh, Paul, that that is very interesting. It's because when you look at in on St. Thomas, you have government housing on St. Thomas that was totally devastated, totally devastated. And who runs government housing in this country? HUD. Yeah. Well, <laughs> guess what? B.S. Carson hasn't showed up down there yet. You know, Benjamin Solomon is like, <laughs> Benjamin are, Solomon. you know, he, 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 that's his name. Benjamin Solomon Carson. Even his mom. I like knew, BS. <laughs> well, even his mom knew he, she had a handful of BS. But anyway, uh, look, it, it's like, where was this? Where, why can't this guy go down and touch now? He's not going the, to uh, do that. Of course, he has zero concerns. <laughs> and this is the problem. When we let, the these, people get away, of we let these people get away from it. You know, one thing I got to say, the mayor of San Juan, I applaud that woman. She would not give up. Even she was reverent when he when Trump showed up, but she would not give up on being vocal about what's going on in it. And that's probably what's needed from the U.S. Virgin Islands. All right, Kalila Brown Dean has given us a thumbs up. Thanks for listening, Kalila, here on Pundit Friday. Hey, Kalila. And uh, so Mar- so Marquise Rick's been around town a lot this week because she was also Damn. caught up in a crowd of homeless people in New Haven <laughs> and their advocates, hundreds of them. I, I, was, I saw her. You, you were caught in that traffic too, huh? <laughs> and a homeless man, Mr. Staggers, did, or, who'd been homeless for six and a half years, just got an apartment. He's telling me he was here in the studio this week before the march. He organized it along with the bail fund. He's telling me about how when they sleep on the streets in New Haven, they try to have 15, 20 people together because they need security. security. Mm-hmm. They said that they get sucker punched. He says when he sleeps out, let's say behind Kitchen Zinc, which is one of the places he likes to sleep, People come along while he's sleeping, and other people are sleeping, and they actually sock him. Why? For Who fun. Doing what? Or they throw trash at them. Oh. See, people who do that type of stuff, it's just like, you know, we, we're talking to all oh, guys. I don't, you know what? You I don't know, even, it's, that's it's just inhumane. But it was kind of interesting to watch the marching. They were saying they get hassled too much by the cops. And that they they should be able to have more housing, some of these vacant houses. Because we don't, because you know, because we think poor people, we think homeless people are an eyesore and a nuisance. But you know, well, uh, you know, the Tom Harper administration would argue that they put a million dollars toward the homelessness, way more than any other city in Connecticut. People come from all over the region who are homeless, set up in That's true. We've started these supportive housing facilities where they can be a good transition. We need social service houses. They in a place. So they're saying they think New Haven does do its part. What did you think, Marquisha, when you were marching with these people? It was it was such a it it's I think I I feel like it's it's what I've seen from from our protest communities um for the three years that I've been here, regardless of what, what people are protesting about. And it's it's the New Haven yes is doing things and and doing things likely better than any other place in the state, but we're still gonna hold you accountable for doing better. And, and I think that's fair. And in some situations, like they say, Well, what, you got a vacant house, why can't we just work on it? You can't just have someone work on a house when you could get liability sued if someone issues. Gets hurt or might not do well. Yeah. There are people who own the property who are responsible if the stuff doesn't get fixed right. Or sometimes the landlords might not want to let you fix them up. Or maybe that's an excuse. These people say it's an excuse. We can go and fix it up. And also other people say we have such a high percentage of public housing as it is in the city. What about the suburbs? So it's, and also sometimes people don't want to be housed. I know that people need yeah, campus. It's, it's a other people compl- it has a lot of complex yeah. moving parts. It's a complicated I- issue of individual rights as well as kind of this this kind of greater whole of participating in a society. When we think about the green, you know, I, you saw it in our comments. There are people like there are people who are frightened to be on the green because of some of the behavior that happens out there. And, and, and especially and, the people come from the methadone exactly. clinic. Exactly. So the, they might not even be homeless people. They're just people who people have a substance abuse right. issue. So the cops get caught in the middle. If you're in that downtown beat, you spend a lot of your time with people who are strung out on the green and trying to help them too. I, I know there are a lot of cops. I've watched them really care about the people there and gain their trust and try to get them help. On the other hand, the public doesn't feel safe often with some of the stuff happening there. Do you think 
the marchers had a point about the police. Now, the criminal justice system is a separate question. We lock up people a lot. But they were saying, like, there was one program that the New Haven helped pioneer where homeless people, if they got arrested, instead of going to jail, they helped clean up the green. They said, we don't like that at the march. And tell me about that. That was kind of a surprise to uh, me. Yeah, it was really interesting because I... Some people seem to feel that the the community service, like either way, they're they're caught, right? Like they're they're these are kind of nuisance kinds of complaints that you know it's sort of like the no sleeping in certain places, right? Like in in other cities, if you get caught sleeping on a, a bench, you might be arrested, and they're just kind of nuisance things for cities that don't want homeless people in general. They're like, we just don't want you to be seen. We don't want you seen in our public places, that sort of thing. And so people feel like. Even though the city's efforts have been to divert people from jail by giving them an opportunity to do community service, understand that they might not have the money to pay some type of fine. The people still, they just feel like it's another nuisance way to get rid of homeless people. It's such a fine line because when we look at it, you know, there's a difference between the, the homelessness and people who just, uh, well, some of them are just, you know, being nuisance just by, you know, the, the, this is it. Look. I know individuals who come downtown. One guy said to me that, you know, he was, you know, he wanted to get uh, some money from me because to buy something to eat because he's a veteran and they've been huddling up on his paperwork and all that. I got on the phone right then and there. I said, let me speak with someone over there. I know someone who is over at, uh, in the benefits department over at uh, the VA. I asked the individual, let me see your, the ID card that he have. He has his thumb over the picture. I look at it. Tell me one name. I look at just. Not him. It's not him. So here it is. This is an individual who's out to con me out of money. That's more nothing more than that. He's been downtown for a while, and there's a few people who are downtown. They come downtown, <clears throat> and that's what they do. There's a difference between that and homelessness, and that is where we have to draw that. We have to understand that. I mean, it's, you know it's hard to understand. Trust. It's really hard to pinpoint. See, Go ahead. For many people. Homelessness is um, a given. No, Rick, you get like right on the mic. <clears throat> For many people, homelessness is a given. Mm-hmm. I I personally have a very hard time comprehending how somebody could be homeless. I think it's very Mental sad illness, that we begin job. to accept um, it, that that's okay for people to be homeless. No, exactly. We should not accept it, but I but I can there understand. Should, I can comprehend why. There should be ways which we can come together and try to. If not eradicate or eliminate, but oh, at least you're right. Hold on, we should. You, you know, I agree with lower you. Lower the try, amount of homelessness. We should try to eradicate and, homelessness, but and there's honestly, a problem. I think our policies need to need to change in terms of accepting everyone's homelessness. Mm-hmm. I think people where where they're from. That that's where they need to be taken care of. The so cities we're just saying the if town. someone's coming from Willimantic, from Methadone, or someone's coming from yeah, why can't uh, rural they, those cities? Camp out by why then? can't they take care of their homeless? Why should we? Be the only or some people would argue if if we are like and, and this this again gets into the bigger issue of the budget fight and how funds are allocated. You know, we're we're talking like some people were like tax Yale, <laughs> so which is is often a refrain of people to tax Yale um, to somehow provide money for this issue, um, or you know should the other cities sort of like our school system should other cities pay. If we can prove that this person really lives in your town and you have to pay us a subsidy if, if we find housing for this hey, person. You know what's interesting but, about t- I'm sorry. I but I, but what, we, I, what I think New Haven has tried to be, for better or worse, is a place that is caring enough to try to do things to help people, to provide them services. You know, when encampments are cleaned up, people are mad at like homeless people who are encampments are mad about that because they're like, you don't provide shelters or that they feel are safe, one, right, and one B, that are clean, Avenue, right? The staggers are saying, you know, it's so unclean and it's such a dangerous place. Right. That and that's too. another and thing. And they also when, have, you know, rules about what time you have to be in shelter. Be, right. And people are like, I'm a grown-up. Why right. can't I be and, in yeah. shelter when I decide to be in shelter? And and those are, but those are all part of kind of a complicated morass of problems for each individual person who's homeless. Now, you mentioned um, taxing Yale. Did you notice who is the latest group? pushing for taxing Yale and it might actually happen the Republican Party so in the tax bill now unveiled yesterday (laughs) and it's interesting because you know the big picture is the Republicans have this tax bill that you know there are a lot of reasons a lot of people don't like it because they're going to make it hard you know harder for a lot of middle class families or working class families but they have an interesting idea in there that Charles Grassley Republican senator was first proposing 
which is that wealthy universities should be taxed on their endowments or at least spend more of the endowments. So under this bill, if you're a big enough university and a big enough percentage of your income comes per student from your endowment, they want to put a modest tax down. The universities are going crazy saying this is terrible, we'll do less financial aid, fewer kids going to school. I have to admit, I was more sympathetic to the Republicans than to the universities because first of all, they have so many wealthy donors. If they're going to have a 1% tax on the high parts of their endowment, their backers are so rich and there's such money producing machines. I mean, basically what Yale has become is a round-the-clock hedge fund um, donation machine, right? Billions of dollars they get. They're, they're over $20 billion in their endowment. So if they could, they could send out a letter tomorrow saying, look what the scary Republicans are doing in Congress. They want to tax some of our endowments. They would get much more than 1% of the endowment back, I believe, <laughs> in just one emergency appeal. Uh, Paul. And, and I, you know, there are a lot, the tax bill is complicated. For instance, there's a fundamental argument in this country about whether we should follow the rest of the world and tax people more than businesses. That's a separate question from taxing the rich versus the poor, which is also an important debate in this bill. They're going to lack tax breaks to rich people. But there has been a consensus, including in some democracies, that our corporate tax rates should be lower or otherwise we lose the business revenue. That's a, that's, a, that's a separate debate. But there are some elements in here that are very interesting, such as whether we should tax or whether um, houses that you have a second mortgage that's over 500, where you should be able to deduct mortgages if it's over $500,000. They're saying get rid of that, which is kind of an interesting point. What do you guys why, think? Well, why is that such an interesting point? Because our tax, because basically we have put in so many tax breaks that benefit wealthy at the event mm -hmm. support, and Democrats and Republicans have done that alike over the years. There are some people, Bartlett and Steele, who are these two researchers at Philadelphia Inquirer a generation ago, did an in-depth big data study that said, if you just got rid of all tax breaks mm -hmm. for middle-class people, like mortgage deductions, the poor would actually be better off. And, 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 and so, like in other words, that's just, it's way too complicated to talk about the whole tax bill, about who gets helped and hurt. But this part about deductions for, for mortgages on wealthy properties and expensive properties and taxing endowments, I think is an interesting point to put on the table. I but know you know what is that, Paul? What, what you having with that, Paul? Uh-oh. Oh, oh no, now he couldn't. We knew he no, couldn't. We knew no, he got to come running in here. Paul right. dangled that meat right uh -huh. out there. Well, it is a, a good tax plan where it caps it at 500000 So remember... Oh, for, for the for mortgage deduction now and also for anyone making over the four hundred thousand dollar mark your your deductions and income stays the same it stays at around 39 percent now anybody below middle class is going to go down and for the married who get hit all the time actually their deduction jumps to 24 from 13 so the way they're doing that is that they are trying to tax, you know, cut deductions for the rich mm. so that they could get that into the middle so class. Nice. Mm -hmm. no, I mean, and that, obviously there are other prices of the rich benefit big time, but I mean, it's a complicated, anytime you try to mess with the tax plan, there's so many special interests that are against each tax? other. What about the flat tax? What about the flat tax? Taxing everyone. Steve Forbes had that when he ran for president as a Republican once. Right. And what's interesting about the flat tax Rich people like it because they want it to be a lower tax rate for everyone. But if it were a genuine flat tax that got rid of all the deductions that rich people got too, mm -hmm. and middle class people, the poor would actually be better off. Yeah. What, what is concerning to people who advocate for the poor is they think that becomes a stalking horse that when they do the details and the lobbyists get in, <laughs> they still in the end do end up hurting poor people because of what they continue protecting for rich people. But I agree with you, Norma. Flat tax was always seen as something rich people wanted to hurt, it poor, hurt poor people. And it doesn't have to be that way if they got rid of... Um, a lot of the law are in there with the exemption. Uh, That's not true. The flat tax would actually get everybody in the game, right? Because you have about 49% of America that pays no federal tax at all. So if you get that 49% in the game, you you actually have some, some money coming into the... Right. So, so what's, what's important so is that you, have a, that, that you do exempt people below a certain level so that you're not... Yeah, with this new tax plan that you're talking about, you can't take deduction on your state and uh, local. Uh, right, and that's that's because blue states have higher taxes, and the Republican majority is from red states. Thank you. So they're trying to get rid of, and also like teachers, let's say in California or New York, they might actually buy houses that cost a lot more because the markets are so more expensive. So they'll be hurt by that five hundred thousand dollar big um, time deduction. Absolutely, that and that that. You could say they, they actually targeted 
they're targeting they um, are. liberal states. <laughs> Literally. But, but think about that. So, so a liberal that? state like California, where their houses are, what Paul was saying they is right, is it, their, their house is somewhere, the average is somewhere in the 600000 So they are going to get hit with that. But isn't that what you guys have been crying all along about, that the, the people, the rich should pay more taxes and people, look, Obama said anybody over two hundred. I knew we could. Now now waiting for the. We got the Obama quote, and now waiting for the Hillary Rodham Clinton quote. You have to admit that the analysis tax bills that every rich person's taxes is going down with the whole package. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Now, if you talk about corporate taxes, now that's different. We shouldn't be highly taxed at the corporate level because it. Really? Trickonomic economics? It, it weakens us. Trickonomic economics? Really? There's no businesses coming here. Trickonomic economics? Harry looks like a rapper when he's talking. Trickonomic economics? <laughs> you know, we're talking about economics. Like really you know about. Harry, you're really trying to tell me that the corporations are, are, are making more and money. You can hear this They're argument on Harry and Joe's show. <laughs> and you also, you did, I, I've been hearing it on Pundit Friday. Yeah. WNHS Radio, your home for community radio at 103.5 FM live stream. Well, I'll just say about my, my last <laughs> word on the taxes discussion is to bring it back to the question. No, we'll Wait, no, 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 no. You won't hear this, what I'm about to say on Harry and Joe's show, because y'all not going to talk about this, which is to bring it back to what the original issue was. You know, we can talk tax plans all day, Mm. but it all comes down to what your legislators in your your state do with that money. If they don't assign that money to eradicating homeless, people still going to be homeless. It's just like if they don't, if corporations (laughs) are getting tax breaks. I high five you. If corporations are getting getting tax breaks and people believe in this fake Tricking on economics. You know, they can Joe believe in all senior. the high-minded economics they want. But if people don't That's allocate those minded. funds, if you don't write a line item that says this money, $500 million is going to the eradication of homelessness, let's do it. George you know, Bush Sr. was running against Ronald Reagan. I don't care if you tax Yale, fine. Do that. But what I'm saying, I don't. even if you do that, and if even if anybody agrees that that's a good idea, I don't. It might be, but if you don't take, if you don't say, well, the money that we're taxing Yale goes for these three things: homelessness, right. whatever other thing. It's that just going to go affordable housing is going to go into a big vast pot. And this is what George Bush Sr. was weird talking about project. when he said trickle-down economics well, when, right. when Ronald Reagan was pushing uh, Joe, trickle-down Joe, economics. You're right, but he look said, at, hold look on. Call, and you know why America. George Bush Sr. said Joe? this is trickle-down <laughs> economics? Because even George Bush Sr. is like, what, you crazy? I'm wealthy. Okay, Joe. You give us I'm money, a, we're, not gonna, we're not going to spend it. <laughs> well, well, Joe, let me help you out. You're Joe, not helping let, me, look trust at, me. Look at the trouble spots in America. What they all it? are run by Democrats, right? And they collect all these taxes and they do nothing for their people, right? What but, are but, you talking uh, about? The state of Alabama has been run by Republicans. Really? Mississippi, Mississippi run by Republicans. Republicans. Listen, so I don't know what you're talking about, player. Thank you. Listen. All the red Florida. states... Come on, are you all kidding the me? Yeah, that are, yes. All the red Baltimore, states that are the, the red states, those are not those states. Are not They're states. municipalities, so, and they don't no, fund well, themselves. Well, thank you, Maryland. Municipalities don't fund themselves, so, and all the red yeah, states wait, that are so, some of the I, I poorest I states in the country and have been the poorest states historically. Okay, we got into the national thing. My fault. My bad. That's Joe and Harry. I really apologize. I thought we were going to talk about tax yell. I'm really, really sorry about that. Well, let's talk about tax and yell. Of course, that's a national issue. Let's talk about the bus stop at Chapel and Church Street. Okay, I mean Chapel and uh, College. Is that the bus one? The one with the breast up. The bus stop. Okay, so for a day last Friday, there was a guerrilla artist. Bill Saunders, who came in and turned it into an art gallery, huge paintings of women's breasts, and he said, "This does he do re- that for prostate?" That's a question. That's what somebody. I want to see some big so poppers up there. <laughs> he said, "This is a raise awareness." Of no, and Bill, he might actually do breast it. cancer. <laughs> equal, I want equal people who have had breast cancer, so that people stopped and talked about it. Uh, so it, it was very interesting reactions from our readers. One guy said, "1644." He said. You know, just because it's a public space doesn't mean anyone could use it for their own use, even though he likes the paintings. He also uh, he also said treating breast cancer often means removal of the breast. So I'm not sure how reinforcing your affection for breast promotes breast cancer there treatment. Is, there is a, an art of a woman with a mastectomy in there. Just, just one. Well, said, before you say that, before you go any further, I mean, if you have a love for the breast, then wouldn't you want to protect it and make sure you don't get breast that's cancer? That's how you this great debate. Awareness. This art had all this debate. And then Nash Treater said... 
kind of hard to take this place seriously when it edges up so close to standard porn depictions of women. It's That's more like problem. boobs awareness than breast cancer awareness. And what does awareness even mean? We know that it exists. What do we do with awareness? Run right out and whip up a cure? Pretty flimsy excuse for an Oglefest, uh, Oglefest on the green. Then Diana M., who is Bill Saunders' ex-husband, writes, I'm really impressed with his breast cancer awareness campaign at the bus stop. I'm really proud of him and for him. One in, unignorable way to put breast cancer awareness in front of people in an undeniable way. I posted some of these photos on my Facebook page. My, some liked them, some didn't, but they took note, which is the point. Best way to get their people's attention, especially since Bill and his co-coordinator, Stina, were spending the afternoon talking to people about breast cancer. So was City of New Haven right to let Bill Saunders keep it up till 5 p.m. as he wanted? Or did they open a door that anyone should be able to do whatever they want there, and then it's kind of tough to police it? Or was this a mitzvah? Was this a good thing that we got? Is Bill Saunders white? Yes. Oh, of course. Okay. But still, you know, white, black, or else, what else? A lot I think of what he's like, talking about was high breast yeah. Whatever. Right. Black I bet women. you we won't see no uh, afros and uh, black power signs up there. We actually did see uh, Yeah. Because yeah. um, Pam Greer. Mm, Richard Roundtree had breast cancer, so he's actually one of the paintings. You know, the thing is that uh, you know, I, people I, have. I, this, I find it all suspect, but that's just me. People have this Not big thing you, as soon a, as they see exposed breasts. Uh, in, in our country, uh, they get pent up about it and think it's leading to some type of porn. If you go to Europe, it's all the statues are all over the place. Nobody's pent up. I mean, about I don't this. think porn. I just I, well, that was it's like I just want to see some prostates up there. You know, speaking we'll of so, yeah, so it's a it's a challenge to the artist community to see who's gonna <laughs> come yeah. up with come prostate. up with something for is prostate some, cancer. Is there some other cancers too that we could? Speaking of cancers, and but prostate, it doesn't rhyme with a bus. I thought it it, you know, it, it developed a good conversation. Oh, I thought so too. <laughs> you know, speaking of prostate Haven. and uh, cancer, Donald Trump uh, does he have cancer? cancer? No. Oh, he did something good. He did something. New Haven and Democrats applauded this week. Was that got, people were very happy with Donald Trump in New Haven? Democrats were very happy with Donald Trump in New Haven. Absolutely, because he named the U.S. attorney. Oh yeah, yeah. Whom Democratic senators Chris Murphy and Dick Blumenthal wanted him to appoint. We were very worried in New Haven what was going to happen in the U.S. Attorney's Office. He was not reappointing Deirdre Daly, who ran it very well, and the, the and the office there has been successful at prosecuting both Democrats and Republicans for political corruption. It's been very successful at um, going after financial fraud, banksters and those kind of fraudsters. And they didn't know who he was going to bring in because there's a history in this country of presidents putting in U.S. attorneys. That's the top federal prosecutor based on politics and ideology rather than the quality. But in Connecticut, we've had this really good tradition of people from both parties who ran it well, like Kevin O'Connor, a very active Republican who ran it. Under his watch, they went after the financial for and they went after John Rowland who's a Republican Rowland. governor as well as Joe Gannon who was a Democrat so he picked John Durham whom everyone wanted to pick including the people who work at the U.S. Attorney's Office who were very nervous because he has this strong history he's been in that office since 89 he's overseen some of the biggest investigations of both parties corruption including Rowland and Gannon and he even gets he they even bar him nationally when they were rooting out FBI misconduct and CIA torture they actually brought him in to investigate that as the so are office. we okay? A clock can be right twice a day. <laughs> That's the exact analogy I was one. thinking about. <laughs> Even a broke clock. Right? Well, it's interesting. Jeff says that the attorney general has done so many things that I know I personally have objected to, and he scares me. I feel like we have a clan. Oh yeah. Civil rights. It, just but, him? <laughs> no, no. But he's, he has a whole the, administration. No, but he runs the part of government. That, that either really holds cops available this. or not from mm-hmm. misusing people that are supposed to investigate civil rights complaints. So, in fact, oh, I, think, not going to I think he's the most, well, he's already shown he's not in transgender, but so I think he's the most important uh, folk Klansman in the, in the administration. Not but, for long. But he is Little a former evil U.S. lies a lot, and he's getting caught out. But Jeff Sessions oh, yeah, is a former it. U.S. attorney himself, oh, yeah. and he has made a point of appointing career prosecutors to these positions rather than putting in people because they're ideologues. And I think, you know, what you're saying about the clock, I think it is important to point out when they do things right as well as when they do things wrong. Uh, no, no, I'm not even going to take that ground. No, I'm, not no, take, no, I'm not taking that no, high ground with no, this president. Yeah. No, no, no. like, I'm pretty sure they're right by accident. Thank <laughs> like, you. They didn't Thank mean you. to. Or, it's yeah. Like, I don't think they, they wasn't trying fault. to be uh, correct or right. right or anything. There's some other story that he's Something just, on you know what, he didn't realize it. Who did that order? Did, yeah. did Harvey and Weinstein realize it? So now he got, he's the uh, film mogul who had so many decades of sexual harassment. He's been hounded out of his job. And the revelations have caused women from all over the country every day to come forward 
by the millions mm-hmm. of stories about how they are sexually harassed at work. It's so you knew it was so prevalent, but now the whole world is seeing it. And what's been shocking to me in the last week is how many prominent men in because they say ninety percent of rapes and sexual harassment, the women are the victims. How many have come forward and nobody is credibly denying it? So you have all, I know, prominent, right? all these prominent people at NPR, <laughs> right. the top guys at NPR from yeah. New York Times, right. Kevin Spacey, they stopped production of House of Cards. Right. They kicked the guy out of NPR, New Republic. I mean, every just about every major institution is I'm mean, Dustin Hoffman. And nowhere do they say this never happened. They might say I might remember it differently or I'm sorry about pain I caused, but even Harvey Weinstein, when he sort of denied some stuff. It's all true. I mean, there aren't people. Oh, uh, except when up. it came to Lupita Nyong'o, he 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 denied. He's like, I don't I don't recollect. But that. it's your own. And my question is, given that it's so prevalent, and given that basically almost every powerful man is doing this to a woman, and they're horrible stories, what is the right way? Because people spend so much of their time at work, and love does blossom at work and attraction. What is the right way to consummate or pursue a romantic relationship or sex relationship at work? doesn't involve what is so clearly overwhelming predominant sexual harassment and assault at workplace. Is there a right way for this? Well, see, I, no, you no. know what? See, I, the only uh, problem somebody I have, you to go I have with a problem not with that frame, the way it's, you frame that, yeah. that. Because that's a because we certainly understand the difference between being harassed and somebody's just digging you and want to ask you out. It's a it's a it's a comfort level one. Number two um, if I tell you no, no means no in every language all over the world. Should you have to tell me no if you have power over me. So if you're the that's 20 the, that's year the old, other challenge. If you are someone who couch. has power, then you know people don't want to go this far because they're like, oh, and then we're policing every little thing. But if you if you are like uh, the military has this, you can't mm-hmm. fraternize with your subordinates, and you can't do you just can't. And teachers can't. Somebody got to quit okay, their job. You're not supposed right. So what I'm teachers saying can't date students. What I'm saying that. is that what's so interesting to me about this <laughs> you know <flood> that. <laughs> of revelations <laughs> you, you is didn't how no soldier, did you? <laughs> unambiguous they are. These we're all reading stories where there are not two sides, where there are no gray areas, and there's so many of them. That's what's blowing me away. I'm wondering what would be the gray areas. Like I'm agreeing with Marquisha. I think there is a problem when a boss asks out someone over whom he has power of whether of being able to eat, having a job. So is there ever an okay time? Like the, the Max Franco was an editor of the New York Times who ended up dating his city editor, Joyce Pernick, and they got married. And there was never an objection to that. I'm just going to say, what if the two people have an attraction to each That's other? That's what I'm saying. So how does that work? Oh, no. I mean, I think, it's, I think the word is called consensual, right? Of course. No, so you yes, have a conversation. It's consensual. You know, I mean, I think But you, how do you get that started is what But the gray area is does, like, are you somebody who is consenting to this relationship because you're like, oh, this person has power over me? Like, like Lupita right. Nyong'o's story who... Right. Who said, you know, I, I, I went along with giving him a massage because I rationalized it in my head that this is what we did at Yale School of Drama as actors and getting into character. It's like, but having heard other people's stories, she's like, I was being, and when he, you know, said, I'm going to take off my clothes, she was like, okay, I'm out. And the but man, and the she man. rationalized it because she knew he had power. And even though if had he been a fellow student, she might have like cut bait long ago, but this man had influence over whether she could actually have a career. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, she is, heard the rumors about how much power he had. Or people would tell how, her, don't be, I, as you know, I, I had not experienced any type of sexual harassment when I was covering the legislature in Alabama, but there were definitely other female reporters who said, don't be in a, in a room alone with this person. And then I'm thinking the man in power wants to tell himself it's consensual, Right. So if he's attracted that's a to good someone, point. he'll say, well, she's into me, so I'm asking her out. 90% of the time, that's not going to be true. As Marquisha said, she's in a compromised position. So when is it okay? Because well, I mean, you make a good point, Paul, because movies and, and the romance genre has sort of portrayed this romantic notion of, I will pursue you until you say yes. And then it's all sweet and lovely. Like Bill and de Blasio with Charlene McRae. How many times do you say, no, I'm a lesbian, leave me alone? Right. But what about, what about, if the woman is attracted to the man, how does that work? Should it be the person who doesn't have the power who should make the first move? I'm just wondering, and I don't care. It doesn't affect me. I found my Bashir decades ago, and I've never encountered this. <laughs> like, but, I got a boo. <laughs> but, and I'm not interested. But, I mean, I'm worrying about, I'm not worried at all. I'm thinking about genuine romance. Because people spend so much of their lives at work. 
And love does happen at work at romance. And yet it's such a problem because of the power dynamic. I think we I think we I think we've got to sort of get people to sort of be very clear about their intentions and the conversations that they well, have that as adults. Contracts? And even though that's not romantic and even though that well, no, doesn't I think feel men also have to take it upon themselves. Like it's usually women, just like I told you that female reporters and some of the male reporters reminded me, don't be in a, don't be alone with certain people. That that's not about that's 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 advice that we give to all like women all the time. You know, maybe you want to wear a skirt that's longer. Or this skirts don't don't rape and sexually harass themselves, right? That's not about women. That's about men, well, and that's, men that's have not to do something. Men and and she, you see, she almost got her head cut off over her. And remarks. she was wrong. And, and she deserved it. She was wrong. Um, you know, rapists don't rape skirts. They don't. They don't. If rape. that was the case, I mannequins all over this country exactting, would be protesting themselves all the time. Sexually harassed too. One, 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 absolutely. One, 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 Absolutely, one thing it happens yeah. to men too. One thing we must we must highlight. You know what I'm saying? It's different right. for men. We must we must and highlight. How about Joe Scarborough harassing Mika Brzezinski into a relationship? I don't know if he did or not, but I, but that's I would a good say example of what I'm trying to bring exactly. up. Exactly. I'm, I'm wondering whether a man in power should never be able and just have to wait for those move because there's such an inherent power dynamic, such an imbalance in that relationship. That even if no. you're madly in love, you said it wrong. There's reversal Paul, of roles here now. Yeah, Paul the said generation it wrong. It's has the, changed completely. It's not the We're man talking power. about romancing the soul. Right, but it's just that the 90%. old fashioned way. 90%. That doesn't happen anymore. Excuse that, me, Norma. Romancing has changed drastically, especially for because the younger generation. The movies. First of all, it's you have the women. I think I we think have to take romance out of the equation, yes. Because in the in the workplace, there there are liabilities for people, right? So like. You know, I get it. Workplace, like reporters have workplace romances. Like I, I've been in newsrooms where people have fallen in love, but they're usually they tend to be equal. Sometimes they're not because sometimes somebody gets promoted or whatever. Uh, but again, if if it's if it's harassing, if somebody is in your workplace is known, like a lot of times it's a person who is known. It's not these kind of what you feel like are gray areas. That's, that's, that's not what. That's it's why somebody I say who it's, is a different, a it's a different harasser. conversation. So somebody bad, who, so that's saying. why there's so many victims in this Harvey Weinstein case. Like mm-hmm. it's it, it's somebody who is a known that predator and people protect Yes, it does. <laughs> and people protect Normally, that we person. Found out that it happens absolutely everywhere every day. Everywhere, everywhere every day. But I, but I think there's been rever- reversal of roles. You have a lot more powerful women nowadays. Absolutely, and they can be in the same situation where they are the ones who are the harasser. Right. But again, it's you have to empower the people who know to speak out and to be able to say like it took it always takes years and then there's so many victims and and somebody had to say something yeah. somebody had see, to risk not, something see the problem i have is that we are mixing romance yeah, or what we believe romance, romance and, and harassment, harassment are not, not the same, same thing you know but we did let the people speak <laughs> on pundit friday <laughs> with the best pundits to be continued. we let joe speak he said no, no, no. <laughs> what a great guys conversation hey everybody thanks for joining us on pundit friday did, thanks to the best pundits in the universe norma rodriguez reyes babs rolls on hey marquisha ricks Show Talking all day. Big D, Harry D. Yes. Harry Jarrell's the bravest man in New Haven. Donna Karen. Harry Donna Karen. Have, don't forget to vote. Don't make me come Tuesday. over there. <laughs> <laughs> don't forget to vote Tuesday, November 7th. Yes. Oh, it's an election. It is. Remember that? Go vote. <laughs> hey, we're going to take it out. I'm going to have on my Shirley Chisholm shirt. <laughs> we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now, Babs, you said you don't always like to be free. I do right now. I'm hungry. All right. <laughs> well, you are free after a great week on the radio. Thank Everybody you. have a good week. And we know what it's like to be free. I agree with Babs. We just got to remember to book our flight. That's right. Book it and fly free with us all weekend long at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Mm-hmm.